Hello, and welcome to the Financial Emancipation Podcast. I'm your host, Malik Branch, and this is a podcast discussing the ways in which you can walk towards your financial emancipation, getting free from the burden of your finances. Hello, and welcome back. So glad to have you join me. I'm doing a second episode this week um, just because I wanted to give a little more content and there's some stuff relevant. I tell you guys, I like to do podcasts when there are things that come up and I'm inspired to just kind of talk about things that are relate to finances, relate to money, um, sometimes personal finances, sometimes finances in general, like in the world. And I wanted to touch on today a topic that came out of, that I was inspired to talk about from last Friday when Jay-Z did his B-Sides concert. And doubly inspired to discuss after I listened to the Termagent Talk podcast, which is a weekly podcast hosted by Chantel and Goody. Uh, Chantel is my sister. Um, it's a hip hop podcast. Um, they, they talk about different things um, as it relates to hip hop. Hip hop being the center that kind of sparks the conversations about different things that happen in life and culture and everything. So check that out if you haven't already. Termagent Talk. It's on all the platforms. Um, so I listened to their episode last week um, and you should check it out as well. But there was a point in the, um, in, and overall the B-Sides concert seemed to be very great. I had been to Jay-Z's first B-Side concert and it was really a great experience if you're a real big fan. Um, things like this are made for fans. <laughs> and so the first B-Sides concert, um, which was back at Terminal 5, that was when Title was first starting and the way that they, they did not sell tickets to that concert, the way you had to get tickets to the concert was that you had to... Um, submit a playlist on title with the b-sides you'd want to hear and then they did like a drawing so at that point I won that and I won two tickets to the um, show so I was able to see that show myself and my sister we went to see that show and so this is the second b-sides it was the reopening of Webster Hall this time they were charging for those tickets and they were pretty um, they went pretty quickly I tried to get them but they they sold out pretty quickly that's just a little backstory on the how we're going to get to this um, topic that we're going to cover today. So Jay-Z performed a lot of his hits. He um And they're hits to people who are Jay-Z fans because they are B-sides. So they're, they're songs that weren't singles per se, weren't heavily ro- rotated on radio. But if you are a Jay-Z fan, you know them. They're album cuts, basically. And um, he performed many of them. People, you know, people were enjoying themselves. I felt like more people were enjoying themselves at home. Then the people there, because it didn't feel like a lot of those people, I mean, Jay-Z has had a rap career since 1996. I gather some people in those room, in that room were born maybe six years before that. And so it, it it's not the same. Um, and so some people may not have been able to really dig that deep. And if they're not that, they might have become a Jay-Z fan, you know, when he had, like was six albums in already. And, and that's fine. But it's just, then there, there's a lot of B-sides and cuts that they're going to miss. Um, within the show, he did two freestyles. Um, one freestyle had that is going to be what we're going to discuss today. He talked about, it was what people are calling the Nipsey freestyle, um, where he spoke about Nipsey hustle. Um, but he started the, and I'm going to read some of the lyrics to you cause it really will give us the context of the conversation. So he started the, the freestyle off by saying, gentrify your own hood before these people do it. Claim eminent domain and have your people moving. That's a small glimpse into what Nipsey was doing for anyone that's still confused as to what he was doing. So that line, the first line, gentrify your own hood before these people do it. That set Twitter thinkers and they sent them into a tizzy. 
Why is Jay-Z encouraging gentrification? Gentrification is, is, is what ruins our communities. Why is he encouraging it? It doesn't matter who gentrifies your community. No community should be gentrified, et cetera, et cetera. He goes on to say that the neighborhood is designed to the neighborhood is designed to keep us trapped. They redline us so property so property declines if you live by blacks. They depress the asset and then take the property back. It's a ruthless but genius plan, in fact. So now we fighting over scraps. Crabs in a barrel, but crabs don't belong in a barrel, and they ain't never tell us that. So in the barrel, we're gonna act like we act. We can easily get out the barrel if we stand on each other's back. Whoever gets to the top, as long as they stay attached, they're going to pull everybody out. I was doing just that. So the idea that it's not just the first line, right, about gentrifying your own hood, but he continues on to say that, you know, we should, we as people who are in these communities, we should um, do things so that we can evolve and grow and gain resources. And when we do gain those resources, we should be the ones who are buying up the depressed property in our neighborhood so that we can make it good for our people who are there. Reach back, pull each other up, continue to share the knowledge and everything, right? But when I tell you Twitter went crazy, Jay-Z is an elite, he doesn't know, he's so rich. So I find that people are, and I said, my sister said this on her podcast, we shared this in a conversation, but um, People are always looking for a reason to hate Jay-Z, right? He's very rich. I mean, he is. He and his wife are worth over a billion dollars. But we have to make we have to stop and pause at that point. Every other thing on social media is telling us how we gotta get it. We gotta grind it. We gotta get it out the mud. We gotta do what we gotta do. We gotta be entrepreneurs, business owners, blah, blah, blah. They don't encourage anyone to go to a nine to five. Everyone's gotta be an entrepreneur. Everyone's gonna be getting their own money, right? Jay-Z is self-made. Beyonce is self-made. These people did this on their own. This couple of two people who didn't come from any wealth. You know, Jay-Z came from the projects. He was getting out the mud for real. And he has, him, himself with his own talent, has built up this empire that he and his wife and his family possess. And so it's not as if he he's so far removed from it. It's how he grew up. He got it on his own. So... Why are people so resistant to hearing Jay-Z's kind of feedback on on what we should do so that we're not um, allowing other people to to take from us and gain from us? So then, you know, everyone's upset. He shouldn't have said gentrify, et cetera. So then you get into gentrification. What is gentrification? If you look at the definition of the word, it's the process of renovating and improving a house or a district so that it conforms to a middle-class taste. So like an, an example in, in, in areas undergoing rapid gentrification. So it's basically taking something and improving it. Something that that is there that may not be um, to the standard level. Usually in this instance, you gentrify a neighborhood that may be considered to be poor or working class. And you change the neighborhood. You add things to the neighborhood so that it, it, it attracts people who are of a higher echelon, right? The reason that gentrification is bad is, it, and this reason it has a negative context is because what happens is, in cultural cultural neighborhoods, neighborhoods with culture, white people come in. They take they they add the, the things that are added into the community that are supposed to benefit don't benefit the people who already live there. They benefit the people who are coming in order to attract them. And then those people seek to diminish the culture of a neighborhood by saying things like people move to Washington Heights and then don't want to hear Dominican music playing out. You can't do that. Or you know, you add a Starbucks to a neighborhood and it gets rid of your local coffee cart. 
Like those are the things that people find troubling because the what happens is you're pricing people out. So if I'm a person who lives in this neighborhood, I'm okay with hearing the music blaring and I'm okay with the coffee cart because those are the things that are part of my culture, but also part of the things that I can afford. So before you even get to raising my rent, you're going to raise the things, uh, the cost of things around me to the point where you're pricing me out and eventually it will come down to the rent and then that, and then I won't be able to afford to live there. That's what people's problem is with gentrification. And that's a very valid problem. Real problem is something that we should address. But something else that we have to understand is that every neighborhood, everything has to be owned. Someone is going to own it. And what it sounds like to me, what Jay-Z, what Nipsey Hussle, what a lot of other people are saying is why let it be someone else? Someone has to own this stuff. Someone has to be there to be the owner and someone has to benefit from it. Why let it be somebody else? Why not let it be us? Because we, and the idea is that we as people of color are have the cultural connection to these communities. So if you are from, let's use Nipsey Hussle example, you're from South Central Los Angeles, you're from that area, you grew up there, you have the cultural context and the, and the understanding of the neighborhood. So when you come in, and let's, let's be clear, I fan of Nipsey Hussle long before he passed big fan of his been watching him right really saddened by his passing really saddened by the potential of the things that he was doing and where it was going and the fact that it was cut short really saddened by that but when you're being real about what he was doing and if you've ever taken a look at his clothing and I ask I, I offer you this to go take a look at that marathon clothing store Nipsey Hussle has a store on Crenshaw and Slauson which is a neighborhood that is a, a, a poorer neighborhood right these clothes in the store are not cheap. This is a this is this is what, what you would consider to be a higher end brand. Sweatshirts cost two hundred dollars. Okay, this is not some sort of cheap clothes, right? So it doesn't necessarily match the neighborhood. But what he did to make it so that the neighbor so that this could exist in the space is that well, the money he's making off of the neighborhood because people who are living there are buying that stuff and they're gonna buy it regardless. They're not gonna just buy. His stuff, they'll buy a $200 sweater from anybody. So if not, again, <clears throat> it's the same question. If people are going to do it, why not do it with people who give a shit about you, right? And then in turn, when they get, when he was getting his resources and his additional resources, he was, he was investing it back into the community. Why? Because there was a cultural connection to the community. So yes, he was benefiting off of people spending money on his rap music, on his clothing line. And benefiting from that. And he was getting wealthier off of that. Rich. Earning money off of that. Right? But in turn, because of his cultural connection to the neighborhood, he was reinvesting back. He was buying property in his neighborhood so that he was the owner of it. He was reinvesting in things that are, are culturally significant to the neighborhood. So instead of them tearing down this important roller rink, roller skating rink that was in the neighborhood, that's a cultural icon in that part of town. He and his business partners reinvested in it so that it can maintain and continue to grow, right? Instead of, you know, ripping down and tearing down and building up something new, he was repairing um, school uh, parks and things in the neighborhood, in this same neighborhood. So it's not as if the entrance of a person, is of this person who's considered to be the quote-unquote gentrifier is not going to benefit that person. Absolutely. Because someone has to own. Someone has to be the person to own these things. The reality, though, is that when that person is one of you, the idea, and this doesn't always happen, but when that person is from your culture, from your environment, understands the people there, there will be some part of that person's mind that will be triggered that a person who comes from the outside won't. So then they will allow for certain things to maintain and stay. They will do things to enrich the community because they come from it. 
and they will understand what does enrich the communities because every time adding a Dwayne Reed or adding a CVS is not what enriches the community, but maybe investing in helping Mr. John who has this, who has the, um, the, the, the drugstore help him build up his business so that he can be able to ward off the CVSs and the Walgreens. That can be something. So yes, you keep him who is a person in this neighborhood. You keep him who is a homeowner in this neighborhood able to stay, able to be able to reinvest himself as a business owner. Then he can invest in the, in the, um, the, the little league, the little league for the kids. He can buy the uniforms. These are the ways in which staying in a community allows you to reinvest in the community and be a part of it. And so again, people were upset, angry. You know, people brought up the Barclays Center. Oh, Jay-Z was part of um, displacing and, and the eminent domain that was part of the process to get the Barclays Center in downtown Brooklyn. That's a fact. But the storyline that everybody wants to tell is that it was all poor blacks that he displaced. Not true. These were middle-class people, artsy people, people living in different types of, like, this was not a situation at that part of downtown Brooklyn where that's what was happening. Yes, some small businesses, and I'm sure some old grannies and a bunch of people like that. And yes, those kind of things are problematic for a neighborhood. And it, and, it, and again, that's something that happened, I want to say, 10, 12 years ago. We have to allow people to evolve and grow. And if we cut off everyone at every decision they made at one point in their life, then we're never going to allow for people to grow. We can't be out here you know, screaming and hollering for Nipsey Hussle as if Nipsey Hussle was not a long time serious gangbanger for many years, right? But we allow people to evolve and grow. You know, you look at somebody like Puffy, you know, who we say, we look at him and say, oh my God, look at him now. But we think about Puffy then. We were so angry with Puffy. He was stealing people's publishing, like all kind of stuff. People have to be allowed to go, to grow, you know? And we as a people, a people of color, a black people. If if it's the crabs in the barrel thing for real, <clears throat> if we're pulling each other back down, if the only idea is that if your only way you can be solid as an individual is to be in the barrel at the bottom, then then we're never going to get out the barrel. So some people are going to have to climb up. Someone's going to have to go to the top or else we're never going to get out. And as long as we encourage people who has when they get there, because everyone's not going to get there and everyone's not going to get there at the same time. And so if you got game, Sean Carter, pull it, push it down. And maybe now no one can hear. The rest of us can't hear Sean Carter's game now because he's what we consider to be too far out the barrel. But what was happening, you had a Nipsey who was close. He was pushing games to him. You have Rick Ross. You have people who have different types of game who are pushing it back to those who are making it. This hip hop thing, this, this music thing, that's these people's individual talent. They're choosing it. You have LeBron James. That's his talent. He was born with the ability to play basketball at that level. He can make his money like I.E. Michael Jordan and go about his business and never look back. But what is he doing? He went to Akron. He went to the place where he grew up. He built this school and he staffed it. And he wrote what was the money. He did everything. He has to come back. If he goes and he never comes back, then it's, it's all for naught. And we have to encourage these people to not only be charitable in the sense of building a school, but really pull people with you. You know, your producers, your people, like what Beyonce does, like, yo, I'm going to work with these certain people. I'm going to grab this black photographer. I'm going to grab this young person of color who's going to do my cinematography or whatever. You have to keep that because that's how we're going to grow. <clears throat> And that's how the game is going to get passed. So in a sense of real estate, in a sense of gentrification, it is true. Someone has to own it. 
And if you're not at the table, if we're not at the table, we're just leaving it for someone else. And that's what he said in, in the rap. He said, gentrify your own hood before these people do it. Because what he's saying and what I'm saying is that the gentrification is a foregone conclusion. It's already going to happen. Because the only reason they leave poor neighborhoods alone is when they are ripe and reckless with violence. And they only leave them alone temporarily because what they do is they make a 10-year plan and they influx that area with police and everything. And they lock up everybody until they can get the, the crime depressed enough so that then they can encourage people to invest. That's what happened in Brooklyn. That's what happened in New York, period. New York crime was something that kept everybody out of here until they decided they were going to flood these streets with cops. Cops were going to be so aggressive, they were going to pass all these laws to make it so they could lock people the hell up. And now that they've been able to do that, Brooklyn in particular, Brooklyn used to be the craziest place. And still, Brooklyn still has the most crime, but it's concentrated to certain areas that they can't gentrify because of the level of crime and because they have housing projects there. And one area, Brownsville in particular, is surrounded on all sides by housing projects. They're not going to be able to gentrify that area just yet. But if they can get to a point where they can privatize with those housing projects like they did in Boston and get people out, they will do that in order to get to that little that last area of Brooklyn that's not gentrified. Because the rest of Brooklyn is just something else. You won't even recognize Brooklyn now. And what he's saying is, do it before they do it. Fix your hoods before they, they come and take it. Because when they come and take it, it's to make money. It's not to make your life better. And so I understand people's problem or issue with the idea of gentrification. Because it is horrible what happens in gentrification. I'm fighting it in my own neighborhood. I see it. I get upset. I get angry about it. But what I'm seeing develop, once you see the groundbreaking, that was somebody's plan five years ago. You too late. So you have to get in the game. And, and all of us, every average person can do something to help with this process. You know, you can choose to shop within your neighborhood at your local bakery, at your local stuff versus going out. You know, you can do those little small things, you know, support a black business that's in your neighborhood continuously and support them so that they can stay do that because when you do that you're doing your part everybody's not going to be jay-z everybody's not going to be nipsey hustle everybody's not going to be you know cardi b and offset who can buy blocks up of, of, of land in atlanta everybody's not going to be dj envy who's made it his life's mission to go into these communities and rehab it and again dj envy to me is doing this to make money he has never come out and said he's doing it to help He's doing it to make money and teach other people how to make money because he's a person who's about making money. So I would have more of an issue with him because his idea is just to make money. So he, to me, is almost no better than the others. But he's still doing it. He's going in and he's rehabbing it. There's a woman who I follow on Instagram who is, is a prime example of that. I don't know if, you, if, you're, not, if you're not following FBF Fitness, Zakia Blaine, she's a great... You know, she's a great motivational speaker. She talks about what she's doing, but she's really, the part that I focus on with this, she's a business owner, small business owner, but she really has talked about, she's buying homes in her community in Philadelphia, Chester area, renovating them, and then making sure and ensuring that she's giving back in the sense of um, the people who are renting that property are, are single moms who may be struggling or, or have some troubles and issues and she's renting to them specifically. She's doing her part to give back in a place and space where other people would not. So she doesn't have to do that. She can renovate those homes and flip it and bounce it and make all this money. And again, it's not that she won't be making a, a profit. It's that she will be able to do so in a way that helps other people. And that's what Jay-Z's saying. 
That's what these people are saying. No one is excluding and saying, okay, you're going to go be a, a, a charitable person and just give give things away and never benefit from it. That's not what we're saying. But the point is someone has to benefit from it. Why not let it be you? Why not let it be us? Why are we benefiting from each other in the sense that we will, because that's how we will grow. Because we will be collaborative. We will benefit from each other. If you look at other cultural communities, yes, they benefit from each other. Yes, somebody's got to get rich. But at least if you're someone's getting rich, because this is a capitalist society, that's how this works. We can hate it or love it, but that's what it is. And the point that's being made here is that if someone's got to get rich off of you, if someone's got to be, at least let it be someone who looks like you, someone who understands you culturally, and someone who will be able to be in a position to benefit the neighborhood and let it grow without stripping it of everything that makes it home. So instead of tearing down the basketball court and building a condo, the person will invest in the basketball court, put better hoops, better lights, better concrete, and make it nice. Instead of saying, you can't play your music at this time, they're going to be able to host festivals and things at the newly renovated park. You know, instead of saying, you know, the kids in the neighborhood are so terrible, it's just bringing more cops. They're going to create community environments where the kids can come from different basketball and different sports and different things where they can, you know, be mentored and taught and, and, and taken away from gang culture and street culture and, and criminal culture that they can, that, that, that we can do that. We can bring in big brother, big sister type mentorships and open up our own, you know, community centers and, and have these places and spaces where people can, can evolve and grow and you can reach back and you can do you know educational programs at at the school that um lebron james developed he also has a program for parents can come if they don't have their ged there's ged programs for parents who are sending their kids that's how you uplift the community and i know that that's one thing and what jay-z has done is one thing and what nipsey hustle did is one thing and what this one and that one is all one thing but the collection of those one things are the things that's going to get us out the, out the barrel. Because as Jay-Z said, crabs don't belong in a barrel. So if we just line up together, if we just keep pushing each other up and pulling each other up, when you get to the top, you, you stay there. You stay at the top. You don't jump out the barrel and run. You stay at the top. You reach in and you keep pulling people back. You have people doing different things. The locks, Styles P, Jada Kiss, and and Sheik um, Luce. They have a, a juice for life shop. They're selling juices in the community because they're trying to encourage health in our communities, they put these things in Yonkers, in different parts of Brooklyn, in the quote-unquote hood. So are they making money off of it? Of course, it's a business, but they're also providing knowledge and information so that people in our communities can get healthy because we're dying from things we shouldn't be dying from. That is their way of pouring back into our community. Swiss Beats and them just did a PSA on getting your colon checked for co- so that you can be, you know, black men who are dying rapidly. We've seen too many of them die from colon and colorectal cancer at young ages, 45 and 50. They did a PSA. They pouring that back into the community along with their, their health is wealth, juice for life shops and stuff, trying to encourage people to eat healthy, to get to go, to stop eating meat, to get themselves checked out. These are the ways you give back. And yes, you, there will be someone who will make money off of it. But at least it's the people who look like you, who come from you, who are of you, who actually care about whether you live or die. So gentrification has a nasty name. And Jay-Z could have said something else that maybe would have sounded better to the ears of the Twittersphere, but it wouldn't have gone well with the rap. But we have got to stop looking at people like Jay-Z, people like Beyonce, people like Styles P and Jada and, and Sheik Luge, people like you know, LeBron James, people who are doing what they can to give back 
and criticizing everything that they do. They don't have an obligation. They can be like Michael Jordan. And, and very few people ever criticize Michael Jordan. And to this day, don't criticize him enough. And we applaud him when he does one little thing. But he has taken from the community so much and gave back so little that we should not even acknowledge him. You know, we, we, I, I noticed this the other day. Now I'm a little bit off on, on a tangent, but I noticed this the other day when, when, when Tiger Woods won his, his, his masters, I couldn't give a fuck. I couldn't care less. You know why? Because I don't give a shit about the one good thing that happened to Tiger Woods because Tiger Woods does not give a shit about the things that happen to us. Because Tiger Woods is up there skinning and grinning with Donald Trump. You know, and Tiger Woods is that. So, so when he won, I said, I don't care. I don't care about him because he don't care about us. You know, you got to give, and, and people, people who I know, the intellectuals, people who was the same people who was criticizing Jay-Z for his gentrification line was right there cheering because Tiger Woods won something that Tiger Woods don't give a shit about us. The proverbial us. Tiger Woods cares about him. And so when, when I see that, I'm like, but we're critical. We're not, we, we should be critical of him or we should ignore him. But whenever, I mean, Jay-Z opens his mouth, no matter what he does, if, if he, he doesn't march for Trayvon, oh, he's just doing that for attention. He did the whole, he did two documentaries on Trayvon and on, um, oh my goodness, why is his name escaping me? On the other young man who died at, at, from after being in Rikers. It's like, he's doing these things and, and, and it's still not enough. He's bringing awareness. He fought, he fought and spent money to get Meek Mill out of jail because he was wrongfully imprisoned and it shouldn't have been. And it's a system that is hurting and harming us. People are still critical. It's like, it just never ends. And I think we need to shift that energy of criticism into support. And, and, and if we want to demand more from him and more from people like him, that is fine. But that does not have to come with criticism. We can just be there to say there's more. And if we have more ideas, we can present them and, and, and champion them and ask for that from him because he has the resources and the wealth. He doesn't have it all in his mind. He doesn't know what he does. But if we are asking something of him, he can do that. And we, we can do that. We can ask it without being critical and without tearing him down. It's not necessary because it, again, that's the crabs in the barrel thing that he's talking about. We don't need to be crabs in the barrel because crabs don't belong in a barrel. We are a people who can build each other up and we've done it. We've seen it. And we don't have to be so nitpicky on gentrification as the word, but what more so take the message. Let's not shoot the messenger. Let's hear the message. So I just wanted to do that little podcast say I wanted to talk about this. I wanted to do a video, but I've been a little bit busy. Um, and I, I try to record this stuff in the morning so I can get ahead. And also I'm getting my wisdom tooth out today. So I won't be able to speak as, as clearly. I wasn't sure if I'd be able to do a podcast on Monday. We'll see. People have different stories about this wisdom tooth out. I've had one out, but it wasn't impacted. This one is impacted. So I'm like, eh. So I wanted to get this out um, before I um, maybe a little a little unable to talk to you guys for a little bit so thank you so much for listening I would love your feedback on this podcast I know it wasn't like a financial strictly financial podcast and it was a little bit of me ranting so I appreciate you sticking sticking it out with me for almost 30 minutes of me just running my mouth um but I really I want to spark this conversation I would love to get you know get the feedback from folks on what they think about this and why we're just kind of just stuck in this in this mindset of, of fighting about something when Jay what Jay-Z was saying has a really good and complete and strong message and we should hear it so and again y'all know I'm a Jay-Z fan um I support the Carters intensely but I'm able to be objective and critical when they do something that I don't appreciate or when he does and and this this wasn't it this just wasn't it for me so 
If you have questions, feedback, anything, I'm going to post the episode on Instagram. You can leave comments underneath. You can send me a DM if you want to have a private conversation about it. Um, if you want to tag folks who I mentioned in this podcast, um, let them know I'm talking about them. <laughs> um, you can do that as well. I'll definitely be sure to do the same. Um, if you're looking to, to follow the podcast that I mentioned, follow the folks that I mentioned, I will do that. So um, thank you so much. And if, if I'm able to, if I'm, if my tooth is nice, if I'm all good on Monday, I will be recording another podcast, um, on Monday. So thank you so much for listening. And I don't know if you and many of you watch Game of Thrones, but I'm really excited on Sunday to watch Game of Thrones. So I might be able to kind of throw some, maybe some Game of Thrones references in, um, on next episode on Monday, but thank you so much for joining me. And I look forward to, um, to talking to you again soon. Um, and if you have any questions or if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's at financial emancipation, follow me on Twitter at FIN emancipation and follow me on Facebook at financial emancipation. And if you have, um, any questions for me, feel free to send me an email Malik, M-A-L-I-E-K at the financial emancipation.com. Thank you so much for joining me and I hope to have you back soon. Have a great day.